The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is my home base. This program is all about helping people to more meaningfully connect with their work in a way that is productive and meaningful to them. And it's an extension of the work that I do at Insignium and in my own research around meaning and work. Before we get into today's program, let me thank my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. If you don't know them, Jobbing.com is the leading locally focused job board in the nation. They are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard and giving job seekers control over their own search so they can find work close to home. Good partnership for me. Thank you so much, Jobbing.com. For this week's conversation with me is Ryan McDonald, who is a financial advisor at Investment Pros Incorporated. He brings 20 years of investment experience in financial planning, investments, and insurance, and takes a multi-strategy, risk-managed approach to financial and retirement planning. He joins us today from Fort Worth, Texas. Mind you, listeners, if you hear some, some claps of thunder, we've got some storms here, so don't be alarmed. We're all under control. Don't worry. Ryan, great to have you with me. Welcome to the Working on Purpose show. Thank you very much for having me. So I met you one time, loved your general approach, your style, thought you'd be great to work with. So glad to have you here with me. Um, before we get into the show itself, I always like to be able to ask my guests just really how they got into their field. Why this work? How come you're not in accounting, marketing, sales? Well, I guess you probably are in sales, but why this field? You know, I've always been fascinated with the, the market and economics as, as long as I can remember and when I approached college, I had two choices or my two routes were either go to medical school or go into finance. And I actually sat down with our family doctor while I was in college, and he predicted 20-plus years ago what was going to happen now. And so I, I steered myself more into the economics finance field and I actually started in this field when I was a junior in college. Um, so it's, it's all I've known. I've, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs and just love the whole aspect of the market, economics, and helping people with their finance. I think that's fascinating that you took such a measured approach to getting into the field. I also think it's fascinating that you would actually juxtapose medical school with finance. To me, that, I, I think those are pretty different. Are they not for you? Well, I, you know, both of them intrigue me. Uh, you know, I've always had a fascination, like I said, with finance and with medicine. And I was going full force on both degrees anyway. But like I said, I, I had to go to a family doctor to get a tetanus shot, and he sat me down, and it was almost verbatim. He said, this field is going to be nothing like what it is now in 10 years, and this was over 20 years ago. 
And he retired within a year after telling me that, and he had a successful practice. So he saw the writing on the wall. Uh, it's still a great profession, but I'm so glad I chose the route of going into financial planning, wealth advising, and the, the, the field of economics. So this is fascinating for me and my listeners, I think, Ryan. So uh, obviously, you see the writing in the walls. What did he say? Did, what did he mean? Did he mean that it would not be as lucrative a career, that you'd have less control? What did he mean by predicting what we see today? He actually mentioned all the above. He said, you're going to have a staff full of people, and all they're going to do is push insurance papers. And look at where we're at now. You, know, you look at a very successful doctor's office, and they have a full staff of handling insurance, and he, he was right on that. And, you know, one thing he told me, he said, I don't care how good you are in this field, you will be sued. And whether right or wrong, he was right on that, and that's just the nature of our society and probably any field in, nowadays. But he just said if you're, you know, in this to truly help people, you're going to have to put up with a lot of headache and a lot of clerical to do what you truly love. And here I was loving both economics, finance, and the medical side of it. I thought, you know, it, it just made more sense to me move more towards the economics and finance part of it. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I really applaud, Ryan, that you did that kind of an investigation, because when I work with people that are trying to determine what their career is going to be, whether they're young people just starting out or folks that are in their midstream wanting to change, I think it's so important to talk to folks that are actually in the current trenches as to what the field is like, what do they know, where do they see it going. I just really applaud that you had that foresight when you were so young. Well, I appreciate that. And a lot of people come to myself and others and how their children who are graduating get into this field, and it has changed dramatically. And uh, it's, a, it's a whole different career path than it used to be 20, 30 years ago. And uh, it is what it is. And like I said, it's, it's all I've done since college, and I absolutely love it. Well, we're getting to that next because you know that I cannot let you come on the show without you talking about what it is that you really do love about your work because I care about your, how you register meaning and what it means to who you are as a human being. So what do you love about this work? Why, why this? You know, I'm just I'm fascinated by the stock market, by finance, sitting down with individuals who have worked their entire life, where they've put money away, or they've inherited money or sold property, sold a business, and they're at that final stage on what do I do now, how do I save what do I have, how do I live off this money, and how do I do it safely, but still get a decent return. And it's kind of like being a builder. I look at all, I take all the assets in, where they want to be, where they are currently at, and build a plan to get them to that goal. And it's, it's always a moving, changing goal. It might not be daily, but it could be quarterly or yearly. Things do change. Things come up. You know, we have changes in our lives. But how do we keep that plan together to give them exactly what they want and what they need with the least amount of risk to get it? So as I listen to you talk, Ryan, what's interesting is I hearken back to the days 18 plus years ago that I got into the human capital space and I started off in recruiting. And I used to think, and I still do today, that it was such an intimate place to be because you're talking with a person about their individual career goals. You talked about money. You talked about their you know best hopes, wishes, and dreams, their disappointments. So what occurs to me in listening to you talk is that you get the chance to do that on a familial level. It's not just the individual, but you're talking about the family's hopes and dreams and what they want from their existence in a, in a very, very long-term way. It sounds incredibly intimate to me. 
It, it absolutely, it, it really is. When you have children who are in their fifties bringing their parents in to discuss things, you know, it, it it is wrapped around everybody's involvement, especially as our parents get older, to look over their finances and find a planner that you trust and can work with. So yeah, it, it involves everybody in the family and to know what's going on. And again, especially as our parents get older, to know what their plan is and to have a relationship with their advisor as well. Um, it, it's extremely helpful when I have both the, the spouse and either children or parents come, in, come involved to work through this plan and figure out the best thing for them. So part of the reason that I like to have different kinds of guests on, on my show, and I have not had a financial planner on my show before, so you are the first, Ryan, is I want, to be able, <laughs> I want to be able to give my listeners a, a breadth of, of experiences, types of work, industries, to be able to kind of understand what it's about. And frankly, some of my listeners are trying to figure out what they want to be when they grow up, whether they're 20 or 50 or 70. So I think it's really important that you can speak to the fact that even though you are in a field that's grounded in numbers and finance, it's to me what I'm hearing is so much of it is about the human element, the human connection of human striving and what matters to in their actual lifetimes. When I'm out of events and when I met you originally, you know, it, it takes all kinds of people in this field. And what it boils down to, what I think who becomes successful in this, you have to be people oriented and look after, you know, the what is the best thing for this client or this this person I'm meeting with. And, you know, that that type of personality comes from all walks of life. Um, you know, you can be from the military, you can be, you know, from selling a business and have a passion for finance, but it all boils down to to have a passion for people and caring what's best for them and their long-term goals. And that is what creates long-term success stories in my business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get that. So along those lines, I would be interested to understand what a really good day looks like for you. So when you think about, wow, this day really stands out for me, what's that look like? You know, I wake up early, I read a lot, I watch a lot of news, but is to have a full appointment with whether it's new people I'm going to work with or existing clientele and updating their their, their quarterly or yearly plans and going from there, but a full schedule of meeting new people is always just a perfect day. I've learned, I have so much fun on my job learning about what people have done, where they've come from, how they've saved for retirement, and what their goals are, whether it's selling everything and buying a motorhome and visiting every minor league ballpark in the United States. I mean, that is fascinating to me. You know, I heard a story the other day of an extremely wealthy millionaire, and he could have afforded his own jet, but he never did because he was just always had a, so much fun getting on a plane and meeting new people that he never would if he had his own private plane. And that's kind of where I'm at. I could be in jeans and boots one day, a suit and tie. I could be in my office or I could be out at a factory visiting with a business owner. It's just it, every day is different, but my perfect day is to have it lined up with new people to meet and current clientele to make sure our plan's on track. So I, I guess it does bear asking then, how do you meet these new people? How do you find these people? You know, when we started 20 years ago, which has changed, we used to make, you know, three to 400 cold calls per day. And that wow. dramatically changed. Yeah. <laughs> and thank goodness it's changed. I, I look back on those days and I cringe. You know, most, almost all of my clientele are referrals or family referrals. Um, you 
know, marketing has changed in this business. You know, you hear the ads, come get a free steak dinner and hear about my product push, and those are all over the radio. You know, referrals, it, it, it's the, the best source of my new business uh, because, again, I like working with family members. I'll have a family member come in and put together a plan for them, and one week later, the brother or a cousin or a friend, uh, somebody they do charity with, is giving me a call, seeing if I can meet with them. So it's new businesses with all referrals and treating your current clients uh, the proper way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the golden word, right? So, I mean, so what I find fascinating about the work that you do is just the ongoing number of people that you have the chance to meet. I mean, it's not like, you know, when I juxtapose what I did years ago, right, when I was I was selling um, information technology staffing services in Seattle, I would interact with some of the same people for months on end, and I would service that account. They would hire different people from me over the course of those months, and so I managed that singular relationship, in your case, it seems that you have this, you know, you're looking always for a new stream of people to come into your world. Well, I, I'm real fortunate to be able to handle four different financial institutions in Tarrant County and Fort Worth, uh, four different credit unions, and they're completely different on their members. So, you know, we, we do a lot there. Um, it's, so I'm extremely fortunate on that end. But I also understand taking care of those members, they have family members and friends and acquaintances outside of the, the credit union that are referred to me. So, it, it, you know, it's always building upon that base of taking care of my current clientele, and they're, they're happy to refer people my way, which is, is like I said, I'm extremely fortunate about to be in the situation that I'm in. Mm-hmm. I hear the humbleness in your voice, Ryan, and appreciate that tremendously. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, so let's talk about training. I mean, obviously what you do, not just anybody can actually just kind of plug in and go, hey, today I'm going to be a financial planner or a financial advisor. So what kind of training and experience do you have? Well, I've got a degree from University of Texas at Dallas in Richardson, uh, economics and finance degree. As I mentioned earlier, I started as a junior as a research analyst with a firm that was in Richardson. And I kind of sat in a coat closet in the back of their office and did research over mutual funds and brought them out to the planners and they brought them out to the clients every quarter. And that just, that was very educational. I wanted to be the one presenting the research to the clients. Uh, so with a degree in finance and economics and 20 years, we I helped start up some broker dealers in the Dallas area. Um, I've handled every aspect from whether it's compliance or a principal of the firm. I've handled every aspect of a broker dealer um, whether it's training new representatives, um, so we brought companies public. I've handled every aspect in over 20 years to be with the same firm, or uh, 17 years with the same firm. You know, you, you you have the opportunity to handle just about every position in there, and there wasn't a position I didn't love. Uh, but ultimately, I always wanted to be back with the clientele and putting together plans. Mm-hmm. Well, substantial experience. I mean, I I know that when I looked at your bio, I know you've got twenty plus years, and I think that I think it's probably comforting to your clients to understand that you've got that breadth of experience and that you're not this young kid from. I'm sure they could do the work too, but you know, when I think about who would I want to work with, I would want somebody that I know has kind of been around the block and knows the ins and outs and has various perspectives about how the the industry works and has worked various angles of it. Do your clients talk to you about that? Do they tell you that I chose you because of this? 
Well, you know, the majority have, but I, you know, starting in the business, I had people when I was extremely young in the business tell me, I'm giving you this account because you're young and new. So it, it goes both ways, but yes, the, mm-hmm. the big majority, they look with 20 years plus experience and everything you've handled, you've seen it all, you've handled it all. Um, so yes, that is, that is a huge notch in my belt. Uh, but if anybody wanted to get started in this, started in this business, um, do your homework and find a planner that will take you under their wing or a firm where you can work with established planners because it is an incredible career. Um, just do your homework and start in the right path because it can be extremely frustrating if you don't because there's a lot of headaches along the way and a lot of learning curves. But if, you, if you're starting out in this business, you know, you can feel free to give me a call once I get my contact info if you want to start in this business and I'll, I'll help you through it. Um, but there's, there's, it, it definitely is a big bonus being having the experience, but I would not discourage anybody from looking at starting a new career in this field. Okay. Well, one thing that I think I remember reading your bio and remembering from my own experience, now don't laugh, but once upon a time when I was like 20 years old, I got recruited to sell insurance. And so I remember taking and passing the, I don't know if it was series six or seven, uh, the Series 7 is more in-depth. The 6 or 63 will allow you to sell mutual funds or some type of uh, insurance products. Okay, so you have both of those, right? I have my 63, 7, and 24, and Group 1 for health insurance. Okay, so if you could just kind of sketch for our listeners, because part of what I want them to understand is that you, you literally had to prepare for this field. It's not like you, I mean, you had to test through it to actually be qualified to be in it. Absolutely. The most most professionals in my field have their Series 7 or their 66 or 65. Um, and then the Blue Sky, which are state-sponsored laws. Um, so, yes, if, if you're going to take your career to the next level, almost everybody has their 66 or their 7, um, which are their securities licensing. Uh, group 1 is for your your state insurance licensing where you can sell health insurance, uh, some fixed annuities, products like that. Uh, you're kind of limited on those, but once you have your Series 7 you know, or your 66, you're opened up you know, far more products that you can offer to your clients. And again, my thought is the more products I can have available to my clients, the better planner that I can be. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, um, amazingly enough, we've already blown through almost our, our the first segment of the show here. So I, I want to be able to take a short little break here because after the break, I want to get more into the mechanics of what you actually do and your philosophy and things like that. But let's go ahead and cut for a break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Ryan McDonald, who is a financial advisor at Investment Professionals International. We've been talking a bit about why he got into his field, what he loves about how he's prepared to do the, the work that he does. After the break, we'll talk more about his philosophy and get into the mechanics and the specifics of what he actually does with his clients. Stay with us. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. 
To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1 888 346 9141. Again, that's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A L I S E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Ryan McDonald, a financial advisor with Investment Professionals International. Drawing on 20 years of experience in financial planning, investments, and insurance, Ryan takes a multi-strategy, risk-managed approach to financial and retirement planning. He joins us today from Fort Worth, Texas. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We were talking before the break about really how you got into the field, Ryan, what you love about it, kind of some of your preparation to get into it. Next, I'd like to understand, if you will, what services do you provide your clients? What do you actually do for them? Uh, Investment Professionals Incorporated, we are based out of San Antonio. We're a full-service financial plan. Uh, Any investment product that can be offered, we will offer it, uh, depending on the client's needs. So, you know, you look at some of the bigger bigger wirehouses, we offer all those products, but, you know, we're, we're based here in Texas. So when we sit down with a client, there is not a product that, you know, I can say, oh, darn, I wish I could offer that. We have it all. So... It's, it's kind of a one-stop shop when I sit down with, with an individual. Uh, I know that I have the tools to handle anything that they could possibly need for their financial planning. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk a bit about how you actually get paid, if we can, Ryan. I think a lot of people want to understand the, in the financial field. and So how do you charge for your services? Well, at IPI, or Investment Professionals, Inc., we have different models. You can have this, the straight commission, which is the way it's been for years and years, and they also have a fee-based model. Um, I looked at it as what is, what's the best route to go for the client. Um, so in, within those products, the commissions vary on the type of product, the, long, the, the length they own them. You know, most people are just solely used to whether they're 401K or their IRA, okay, I'm going to put this in a mutual fund, you know, they're used to the front-loaded uh, commissions. Uh, so that's how a, a majority of financial planners are paid. Now, it's kind of shifting more over to fee-based, and I'll see, I think we'll be seeing more moves that way just as the, as the industry changes. Uh, but we offer both styles at IPI. Uh, so, again, it, it depends on each product, on what the commission is, and also on how in-depth is this plan going to be. Uh, just as if you sit down with an attorney, you need a straight will, it's going to be far less expensive as a full-blown trust with everything, all the bells and whistles. So in each client, to, to, not to uh, sidestep your question, it, it really depends on the products that the client needs and how in-depth the plan is going to be. Okay. So they do they opt in in advance, hey, I want fee-based, or is that just dependent on what they actually want to go with? You know, I, it, it, 
I think the, a good planner lays out here's here's some options. Here's what I think is best for you because here here's how detailed it's going to be, and everything is is put on paper up front. So there's no shell shock or there's no hey I didn't know this. The client knows okay we're going with this strategy because this is the best strategy for you. You know sleep on it overnight and get back with me tomorrow or. Well, let's move forward. Um, so the, the the clients know everything up front. Here's the, here's the cost associated with what we're going to do, and here's our expected outcome from going from past performance on what we should expect from this plan. Okay, got it. All right. Well, when I think about you know, I look at like what I do. So I work in the field of management consulting, organizational development, cultural change, all that kind of stuff for Insignium. And obviously, we have a specific philosophy as an organization. And I guess each one of us individually do as well. I would be interested to understand your investment philosophy, if you have one, or if you approach it that way. Absolutely. Well, the first thing is sitting down with each individual, because there's no cookie-cutter mold. You can go to some firms out there, and they'll slap you an A, B, or C type of mutual fund. That's not life. You could sit down with 10 65-year-olds, and all 10 are going to be totally different. You know, if you, if you sit down with a 65-year-old, and they have half a million dollars, and they need that for pure income, that's different than sitting down with a 65-year-old who their half million dollars is for their grandkids. So my philosophy is to take each individual and figure out exactly what those funds are for, what it's earmarked for, what their goal is, look at their best tax strategy to, to get them where they need to be, uh, whether it's an IRA or a traditional account, and put the plan together on that. So. I don't like to be tied into a cookie cutter because everybody's everybody's totally different on their goals and their their experiences. So my philosophy is get to know each individual and put a plan together exactly that fits their needs. Okay, that's that's actually quite reassuring to me, Ryan, because as I think about, you know, where am I in my life? I'm 51 years old and I've got a 13-year-old daughter and where I am today versus where I was when I was 20 and where I hope to be when I'm 60 are vastly different places and I guess if you had told me, well, you know, I tend to always do this with one of my clients, I don't know, I guess I would find that a little bit disconcerting. And I see that quite a bit when I'll go to the, I won't mention any names, but some of the biggest fund companies where people can pick and choose, they're they're plugging their information into a computer that really doesn't know them, and I'm all for computer models and and, you know, Monte Carlo simulations, they're all extremely helpful. And we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about some of our programs. They are helpful, but they don't know what your goals are. And they don't know you have, you know, a charity that you love that you want to give half your assets to. They don't know these, these things about you. And the computer doesn't know that you had a bad experience 15 years ago on certain products. The product might be great for that individual, but they have such a bad taste in their mouth about, about it that they don't want any part of it in their portfolio. The computer does not know that, but a good financial planner will and will work around that and give them the, the products that they need. So I guess it's what I think about when I hear you talk about that, Ryan, it's so fascinating is you know how to actually store all that information relative to your, to your clients. I'm sure you have very elaborate uh, record-keeping systems to be able to keep track of all this, but i I got to also imagine that Part of you just knows your client so well that you've got like your walking, you know, database in your head. I'm reminded when I think about a man that I know here in Dallas who's a, a medical doctor and practicing still in his mid-70s. And man, if you ask him, you know, what was your day like today, he can just recount 
with amazing detail, without obviously displaying any names or anything that would reveal the identity of the patient, like in a, a shocking amount of information about these people that he just knows. Is it like that for you too? It, it really is. And one thing that's changing with the regulations is, you know, we the record keeping in here in this business. You know, now it's it's more in depth, and that has changed dramatically over twenty years, where you know computers have been awesome. Uh, for storing all of our client information. But, you know, when I sit down with someone the first time, all I have is a pen and notepad, and we talk. We could talk for four hours about how they're the bowling champion, you know, in 1964. But when it's all said and done, I know where all their assets are, and that goes on a pad and paper. But ultimately, it goes into a program where I start plugging plugging in risk levels and, and so forth. And, again, that's where the computers really come in handy. Uh, but when I sit down with someone for a, a quarterly or you know biannual meeting, you know, it, it's knowing what their passions are that we go back, we make sure those are still in check and everything's the same, or if things have changed, how do we change that portfolio? So, yeah, it, it is a very people-oriented business. And as I mentioned earlier, if you don't know what the hot topics your clients are, what they love to do and what they don't like to do, you really can't put a, a plan together for them, or at least a proper plan, without knowing those things. So that is my job, is to get to know them very well. I really hope that the people that are listening to the show who are considering, gosh, do I want to be a financial advisor, are hearing just how, what I would call, how yummy these conversations must be, um, you know, where you get to really connect with people on such a meaningful level. I hope that they're hearing that. And and, and to that end, Ryan, this next question that I want to talk with you about, about the, you know, how you actually work with your clients, I want you to imagine that the people that are listening to the show right now are probably people that are maybe um, interested in maybe pursuing the kind of work that you're doing. They're kind of checking it out, putting the toe in the sand, if you will. There are probably people on the, on the, on the line who are maybe looking to hire their own financial planner. Um, there might be people that are just curious to know more about the world of finance and planning that they just didn't know before. So imagine that there's a pretty good wealth of different kinds of people on the phone. No pun intended, by the way. <laughs> um, so I want to get into the specifics of the work that you do with your clients. And I want to I understand how do you help your clients determine if an investment matches their investment goals for starters and maybe how an investment, an investment is suitable for them. Well, the first thing we look at, of course, is their age, uh, the income they had or the income they, they used to have if they're retired or if they sold a business. And we do three a three-lane highway of what I do is age, income, uh, their finish line, and their, their nest egg or their assets. And if someone has just retired, which a lot of my clientele is, whether it's retiring from a city, uh, 30 years with the, working with a city or the county, or if it's someone who just sold a $10 million business, is what income are you used to and what income are you comfortable with? From there, we look at, you know, their, their assets and how do we give you that income that you need? Because um, everybody's different. By the time someone is retired after 30 years, their house might be paid for or should be paid for. They don't want to move or they might want to, again, sell the house and buy a motorhome. So we look at that three-lane highway and first we come up with a number Here's the dollar amount we need, nest egg-wise, to, to solve all of these issues, whether it's charity work, income, uh, start a new business, and then we start looking at the products from there. You know, back in the dot-com days, if you sat down with someone and you couldn't show them a way to make 20%, you were fired. 
you know, realities come into check, especially with rates so low on CDs and other of those type of products that, you know, here's the, here's the yield we need to get to provide the, the lifestyle you want. And then, then we go back and look at the products. How do we fit the products in to give you this type of return? Uh, and it, you know, there's so many great products out there. I mean, there's, there's so many products, but to, to sift through them and find the best ones, there's a lot of good ones out there to plug in into their model what we need. Mm. You make it sound so easy, Ryan, like it's just nothing to it. <laughs> That's what you get for 20 years of experience, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I want to get next into, I want to make sure that our listeners get a little bit of a, a bit of an education too. Uh, part of this, this show is meant to be educational and inspirational. Um, Perfect. Uh, we've got about four minutes until we go on our next break here. So I want to, I want to get into how do you help your clients understand how an investment will make money? And I want you to speak specifically, if you will, Ryan, about dividends, interest, capital gains, those kinds of buzz terms that I know people have heard of but probably don't really understand very well. Sure. Well, you know, there's so many different ways to invest. And when you're dealing with a lot of retirees, they're looking for pure income. Well, there's a lot of products out there that are just giving pure income. But as I mentioned a minute ago, interest rates are so low that you have to start really looking out there. What is the best approach? You know, years ago, you know, you looked at uh, Xerox or TXU. You know, it was a publicly traded company but had an incredible dividend. You know, something that people could retire off that and live off of that dividend. Well, you're kind of stuck that, okay, well, what happens to Xerox or what happens to TXU when the market gets hammered, which we have the past couple weeks? So, then you have the volatility of the of the share price, but you still have a decent dividend. So you have to take all that into account uh, because, like I said, you can't go and walk into a bank or a credit union and say, I want a 7% CD. It's just not going to happen with the rates they are. But there are products out there that pay a great dividend. But once you know that, and my biggest thing with my clients is they educate them, and here's what this product could do. We could buy it at 20, it could go to 17, or it could go to 23, but we're looking at that 6.5% dividend on it. So I explain that to my clients, that you know, we're going to see this fluctuation in this, or we have some alternative products that you're never going to see up and down fluctuation, but you're still going to get a nice yield off it. So each product has its certain risks and its certain safety. Now, with more safety, you're getting a lower yield just because that's the nature of it. But each product is different. If, you know, if someone wants to come to me and say, look, I'm giving you $100,000 and I don't want to see this money for 10 years and I don't need the liquidity, you know, we can be a little more aggressive with it. Whereas if someone comes in and said, this is my 100000 and this is all we have, I can't afford to lose it, then I know exactly what product we're going into to, to save that, uh, you know, to have the guarantee of their principal. So each product is different. As long as you explain to your client or the person you're sitting in front of, this product has an incredible yield, but it could drop in 20%, you know, 20% or could go up 20% depending on the market. As long as they know when they see their statement or they read on the news or check their, you know, their stock portfolio while having coffee in the morning, but this is exactly what Ryan told me could happen, and I'm not worried about it. Or, you know, this bond was called or callable, and Ryan explained this, or my planner explained to me this could happen. Um, so with each product, there's a lot, of, a lot of pros and there's some cons. As long as you know what they are and you explain that to your client, 
you know, the, the client doesn't call you, you know, freaking out on, when, on the vote we just had in the U.K. the other day. They understood, okay, this is what could happen. In fact, clients are calling me now to buy, which, which is great because that means I'm doing my job to, to educate them on how to be smarter investors and work with me. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of that, I want to bring you down to a pretty basic level here, Ryan, for our listeners that are really just trying to maybe get in their, get in their feet wet here. What's the difference between a dividend and interest? Dividends are pretty much what is, whether a, whether it's an equity or a stock or a bond, they're they're paying out a, a pure dividend would be paid out, say, an apple or a product like that that they're paying money back to the shareholders. Um, it's it's just income paid back, and again, we'll get into the taxation issue of it. But interest is, say, you put fifty thousand dollars in a CD. Then it pays interest from a bank or a credit union. Um, it pretty much just stays there. You don't reinvest it. So you're either an investor or a saver. A lot of people get those confused. As an investor, you're taking some more risk, but you're typically getting a higher yield. Whereas if you put money in a straight CD nowadays paying 1.5%, that's paying you the interest of 1.5%. Okay. That's helpful. I think for our listeners that are maybe just getting started in the, in the in the investment space or financial planning space, it's really important they understand that distinction because those are terms they've likely heard but probably can't distinguish. So thank you for that, Ryan. Sure. Yeah. So uh, we're up for another break here. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We went on the air with Ryan McDonald, who is a financial advisor at Investment Professionals Incorporated. After the break, we're going to get more into some of the liquidity of, of what he does with his clients, et cetera. Um, and we'll talk more about the mechanics of what it, what he does with his clients. Stay with us. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Ryan McDonald, a financial advisor with Investment Professionals Incorporated, 
Drawing on 20 years of experience in financial planning, investments, and insurance, Ryan takes a multi-strategy, risk-managed approach to financial and retirement planning. He joins us today from Fort Worth, Texas. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been talking more specifically about the kind of work that he does and getting more into into depth, if you will, of the work that he does and the, the terms and how it is that he works with his clients. Next, I want to talk, if we can, Ryan, and get a little bit more deeper here because everybody wants to know how to make their money grow. So the next thing I want to understand is what must happen for an investment to increase in value? Well, you know, first, no one has a crystal ball. And again, we, you know, what's happened in this market the past week or so, even this year, has been kind of strange. But, you know, most people, when they think of investments on the pure financial side, they think of the pure stock market. And I'm extremely bullish, and I love stocks. Uh, there are some risks associated with it. So most people, when they think they invest their 401k or their IRA, they're purely in mutual funds or individual stocks, equities. And, you know, the company either grows because they have great earnings or they might not have earnings, but they trade at levels for what future problems they can solve. And that'll cause the stock to go through the roof. You know, the dot-com days, you know, pets.com received over $50 million and they never sold a product. So, you know, there's several ways to invest in pure equities uh, without going into details on specific ones, but you're hoping they have great earnings, they have new products coming out, and they will pass the money back to the shareholders, and that will increase share price. You know, there's also other alternatives out there, whether it's bonds, and there's you know, so many bonds out there that you know, there's just entire different classes of bonds that are back to the, the yield and the interest. What are these bonds paying? You also have the government-issued uh, securities or equities that, you know, the bills, notes, and so forth, still pay a yield. Uh, so again, it, it depends on how much risk level the client is willing to take. And again, risk is not a bad word as long as you know what the outcome, good and bad, could possibly be. Um, but there's also a lot of safe places for money and through the insurance sector of it or alternative investments, um, which is a whole different class itself, that pay these type of returns, whether it's, you know, buying real estate and passing the income back to the shareholder, or are they going out buying property looking to sell them at some future time? So it's such a wide range on how investors can, you know, earn money uh, on their investments that that would be a whole other topic or whole other show, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't know to what extent you can speak to this, Ryan, but I, I would be very interested to understand the relationship between, say, things like interest rates or real estate values or market share in relation to how investments increase in value. Can you help us understand those kinds of relationships? Well, you know, without getting too political, which, of course, I can speak on that for five shows, but you know, with, <laughs> with rates so low, you know, it, it was almost like, the reason the market is where it's at now, and you can hear this from different sides, but when when the government was giving out free money, these larger investment companies just flooded the market with it. And rightfully so, they were given free money. It's it's back in the day when anybody could buy a house, you know, with with the money that was being given out. So interest rates do play an effect on the market, and that's one thing as planners we have to look at, that a lot of people are saying now that the Fed is out of ammunition. You can't go any lower than where rates are. With what happened with the recent jobs report and what's going on in the U.K., you know, they're kind of holding off, well, we're not going to raise rates now. Well, 
so there's really no other place for for individuals to put their money besides in you know the the equity market. Well, there is, but there's just no other yield out there to say, okay, I'm going to go down to my bank and buy a three percent or four percent CD. It's just not there. And so again, the Fed is kind of stuck without getting too political on what they can do now to you know for the interest rate to. You know, some countries are talking about negative interest rates, but I don't think it's going to happen here. But it's a, it's a real possibility that it is happening, that interest rates do pay, play a big part, especially if you are a retiree and you own bonds. If the Fed does raise rates, it's going to drop the bond price, which, again, is going to affect your overall portfolio. Um, again, on low interest rates, you're giving these companies you know, more firepower where they can expand or they can, you know, leave the money overseas. So that is a big impact on uh, on client, uh, clients and corporations, whether it's a large corporation or a small mom and pop. Lower interest rates are good and bad. Um, it depends how you, which side you take on it. Um, I take both sides. They are good and bad. Uh, but, you know, it's, again, it, it depends on the product. Some are just they're, they're immune to the rates. They're not, you're not going to see any fluctuation, and other ones are extremely uh, volatile on any rate hikes. But when's the last time we had a rate hike? Mm-hmm. What about real estate values, Ryan? I mean, crazy. I mean, I live here in Dallas, and I cannot believe, you know, so let me just a little bit of context. I moved from Seattle 14 years ago, and I thought the prices of real estate were ridiculous in Seattle. You could sell a house in a couple hours up there. Um, I moved down here to Dallas. We ended up buying this house here that we live, we've been in for the last 14 years. I'm now moving off on my own. And I couldn't believe how crazy, how much money it costs to buy a little bit of real estate here and fairly close in Dallas. How, what about real estate values in relation to investment increases? You know, I'm, I am living that right now. We are selling a house in East Texas and buying a house in Fort Worth. And our little bubble down here has not been affected by that. Um, but you look up in the Plano, Texas area where Toyota's moving or, you know, the hot Frisco area, McKinney area, they've gone through the roof. Now, you look at some areas and it's still an incredible buy to get what you can see in, in this area. Um, I personally, after I'm looking, because like I said, we're selling our house and we're buying up in, in the outside of the Fort Worth area. I think the market's going to, not in the Dallas area, but other areas, I think they jumped on board and listed houses were extremely way over, you know, asking 170, 160 per square foot when reality is going to set in, those are going to drop back down. So outside of the Dallas, North Dallas corridor, I think prices are going to come back down. Um, But there is a great investment to get into real estate as long as you do it properly with, as long as it's professionally managed. Um, I have a lot of clients that flip houses, and they're kind of caught up in it, too, where they're trying to find houses where they could flip and make some money. But when these houses are going for, you know, even a beat-up house is going for 140 a square foot, how do you realistically make money rehabbing it and flipping it? Um, so I think if you always look for a good deal out there, uh, there's, there's a gr- real estate has always been an incredible investment as long as it's done properly. With, the, with If you have to borrow the funds, you go to it at a good term. Yeah. 
Right. That's the question, right? So much education goes into that. I, I know, I'm sure, uh, literally, I'll just say today, literally, Ryan, I signed papers for a house that I, I purchased, and I'm looking at that per square foot. And I'm not going to tell you what it is, by the way. I'm just not. <laughs> you can tell <laughs> I, me. I won't tell anybody else. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, just between us two. Uh, that's right. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk next if we can. I, I think about this notion of liquidity in investments, and I I think about you know how do you how do you talk with your clients about get, making sure that they have the kind of access to their money that they want if they needed it right away. How do you discuss that with them, and how do you decide how to handle that with them? You know, I would say that ranks right up there in the top one or two issues with clients because people change, especially when someone retires or they have a life event. You know, I have clients come to me and here we put together a perfect plan and two months later, next thing you know, they're getting the divorce and they've been married for 40 years. That throws a big monkey wrench into our plans, but it's a life event that has to be addressed. So, you know, what I see and I've seen as a planner for 20 years when I look at some of the account is the prior planner did not account for a life event and all of their assets are in either something that's extremely illiquid or very hard to liquidate if needed. Um, so, you know, keep don't put any more than 25% of your assets into one product. Make sure at least at least 30 to 50% are liquid where you can get out a portion of it. You know, one thing right off the bat, I ask clients, what's the most you've spent on an emergency that insurance won't cover in the past 10 years? And it could be simple things. But triple that if it's a $10,000 event, and you need thirty, and it becomes thirty thousand. Make sure thirty thousand is liquid. Doesn't mean it has to be sitting in a money market at the bank, but make sure you can get your hands on that, um, whether it's in the equities or bonds or equity-based mutual funds, where if you needed that money, you can handle a little bit of volatility, but make sure it is liquid, and always keep some liquidity on the side, because that is where most people run into problems, is where they have to take a huge hit to liquidate something that they thought they weren't going to. I mean, I sit down with people all the time, and they say, well, let's put 100% in that because it's guaranteed. Well, that's not a liquid product. And if we do have a life event, we're going to kind of be stuck to get out of that product. So liquidity is, is ranks right up there on when you do a plan on what needs to be placed where. So what are we talking about here, Ryan? So when we think about, you know, how long you might have to wait to get to your money and then how much is it going to cost you, right? Are those the two main factors? Well, if, if someone came to me and said, look, I want guaranteed a principal, um, but I want the upside of the market, I know which product I'm, I'm leaning towards for a portion of their money. But if they went around through uh, outside of a financial planner and stuck 100% of their money in that product and they needed their money in, say, two years, there is a hefty surrender charge to get out of that type of product. Whereas if they sat down with the, with a competent financial planner, they wouldn't have 100% of their money in that product to begin with. So there is the length of certain products. Some products just aren't liquid. It's just by the nature of that product. It, when it matures, what comes due is when it matures. Um, and compliance-wise, I, I can't get into in-depth. I would be happy to on one-on-one if anybody has questions. But there are certain products that when I sit down with a client, this is illiquid. When we buy this, we're holding on to this till the product matures or the end game happens, whether they go public or they sell out. There's not a liquidity. There's, there's no liquidity in this product. Other products are liquid, but there's a 
pretty heavy uh, fee to get out of them under certain time frames. And it's always a declining lowered fee, but that needs to be explained up front. And again, as a planner, part of my deal, my plan is to make sure everybody's on board that that money is illiquid. Therefore, we need money over here that is liquid. And I think, you know, one of the things that I find fascinating about this conversation, Ryan, that I'm intrigued with, and I wonder about what's happening in the minds of our listeners, is so much of what you're talking about is so abstract, right? I mean, these are conceptual things you're discussing. We're not talking about cars and parts and groceries and all that. It's just these are abstract principles. And I think it's interesting and fascinating to hear you talk about this idea of liquidity. And so when I think about hefty charges and such, um, what's an example of a hefty charge? Half the investment cost, 75%. What's an example of a hefty charge? Uh, Call it 8% of what you've invested would be hefty in my mind. Okay. All right. That helps tremendously for our listeners to kind of get their head around, you know, what's, it's all relative, right? (laughs) Right. And and there's products out there that, you know, there's one thing about this business, whether it's an illiquid investment, non-traded product, there's, there's usually a buyer for just about anything out there. The, the question is, what cost are you willing to let to become liquid in this product? The key thing to do is not put anybody in a product that's not liquid or their liquidity issue because of their time horizon is not an issue. So when someone sits down with me and says, look, I have 500000 I want it all in this product, well, I'm going to say, number one, we can't do that because it just doesn't make sense for your portfolio. And two, compliance-wise, it'll never fly because we know this This is what typically has happened in the past. So just know what type of investment you're getting into. And again, if, if, if it's long-term money and you're parking it for 8, 10 years and you also have you know liquid money off of the side, it doesn't mean it's a bad product. It just means it's an illiquid product. And if you know that getting into it and you know all aspects of it, it shouldn't be an issue. Mm-hmm. That helps. There's Thank some great. There's some great products out there that are not liquid, but they're great products as long as you know that. Yeah, you know we're so close to the end of the show here already, Ryan. It's amazing how fast time flies when you're having fun. But if you can't, just say maybe spend a, one minute addressing the idea of risk. That's a great question. One thing I, I find when I'm running appointments is. People come in and say, look, I'm shooting for 7% return, and you look at their portfolio and you plug it into our risk model, and they're, they're, they might be getting a 7%, but they're taking the risk of a 12% investment. Always earmark, look, here's the return I'm looking for, and take that amount of risk or less. There, are, I would say 80% of the people out there are taking far more risk in their products than what their products are delivering. And if you sit down with any good financial planner, they'll plug your products in and say, worst case scenario, here's what could happen to you, but also here's the, the best case scenario. So make sure your your products are in line with your risk level and your risk tolerance. Because if, if we have another major correction and no one has a crystal ball and your account drops 40% because you're in a risky product that's only paying, you know, coming in return-wise of a low, shooting for a low a low risk, high return just doesn't work. Make sure your products are geared to what is personally your financial plan, not somebody else's. Okay. Fantastic way to finish, Ryan. 
Um, and there we have it. We're out of time. I want to thank you so much for being on the show. This was an incredible way for us to learn more about your world, what you do, and the world of financial planning. So thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. If you want to learn more about Ryan McDonald and Investment Professionals Incorporated, you can visit their site at inpro.com. So that's I-N-V-P-R-O.com. Great conversation about something near and dear to our heart, money and our lives. So great subject matter expert, Ryan. I appreciate how you narrated your experience, um, your love for what you do, how you connect with your clients, how you care for them, and how you develop those relationships. So this show is all about the world of work, how you connect with it. We'll see you next week. Remember that work is at least one third of our life. So let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.